welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast. Rich Hobbs here and joining me on today's show to talk about uh, the latest signings in Moscow and Trincao, the imminent signings hopefully of 8 Nori, uh, the latest on season tickets as well as the training gear um, that got dropped today. I'm joined by Chalk and Cheese, Little and Large, um, Rubber and Glue, Stu and Dan. How are you both? I'll accept. I'll, little and large is fair. That one. That one's more than fair. The rest, mm. heavily, deba- heavily debatable. <laughs> you both love it. You both love it. But guys, it feels like forever since we've done a podcast, um, particularly about wolves, with all the international break going on. So. I am really keen just to get right in it today, talk about some of the latest stuff coming out of Wolves. Um, firstly, um, I want to just cover, it was a couple of weeks ago now, but um, the signing of Yerson Mosquera, 20-year-old centre-half, um, out of Colombia. Seems like a bit of an investment for the future, um, being that he's you know, relatively long. But um, start with Yerson, I'm going to go to your dad. Stu, um, what were your thoughts on the signing? Different. Not a, not a Mendes signing, which is always a always a shock to the system these days. But yeah, it's it's nice to see him change attack a bit and doing something a little bit out there. I mean, now the uh, obviously the good part of Brexit that we can actually um, look far and wide now, and there's there's no real rules that can stop. I mean, this wouldn't have happened before, and so if he's one of the three thousand players on that mythical list that was mentioned a couple of years ago then superb but everyone who's anyone about South American football has raved about the kids so I mean obviously none of us have seen him even even the lawyers on Twitter can't can't say that they watch this kind of thing in the middle of the night because no one does so it's it's rare that you get a complete unknown like this it's quite exciting yeah on, Sorry, the, the most exciting Colombian export since crude oil. <laughs> that that could have gone very south if we weren't careful uh, with, with, <laughs> with, with, with Colombian exports. Um, uh, from the bit of reading and a bit I've been done digging up, and there's a, I think there's a lot of potential with the signing. Obviously, we wouldn't have got him if they didn't think so because it's a decent outlay as well. There are a couple of red flags for me if i'm going to be honest and i didn't want to start on a negative note but there are and i think whenever i get here a defender's side was sort of physical aggressive raw um it you know very athletic it does sort of spring to mind that if he's using that to cover big deficits in his game um can one of you two just calm my fears down about that sort of language or am I just I've not watched enough football recently or taken anything enough about Wolves at least I mean we uh, you could have said that about Jesus last year or the year before whenever that was when he when he yeah. popped up and then completely failed but it's a young defender they're not gonna it's very rare they're gonna be ready-made at that age and especially from a different continent, let alone different country. So it's got, I mean, you want your defenders to be a bit like that anyway. They have to learn. And coming over at such a young age to the Premier League, he's going to have to adapt and it'll take time. But if he is raw, then it's a base to build on and he's got no habits, hopefully. I mean, Scott Sellers did say in 
in sort of the announcement clip in the press afterwards that you know he, he is a defender who wants to defend um but he is also very good technically and composed on the ball so that does uh, i guess um you know probably sort of quite my sort of fears and i guess it will be formation depending as well and you know if, if we were playing the nuno back three he'd potentially have a little bit more protection um, shall we say to kind of um, within the space around him being being quite young, so it'll be let's say interesting for me to see where he slits. I guess slots in the um, I, I guess the roster and the depth of the centre halves at the moment. Dan, where do you sort of see him featuring in the squad? Do you see him being a? I'm not going to say first choice centre half because I don't think that's what he's brought in for. But do you think he's going to be competing in that 18 man? match day squad or do you think he's going to be shipped off to switzerland in the next three weeks no i don't think it's that sort of sign i think if you look at his sort of physical attributes he's he's, he's good to go to make premier league appearances this season so it all just depends on what you said there in regards to what formation we play and how quickly he adapts to the the actual physicality he, he's built like a brick shit out so Hopefully he can he can fit straight in, learn off Willie Bolly and the, the other centre backs that him around him. Um, it, there was a red flag about it. he's got good recovery pace, which I, I understand where you were coming from. But hopefully it can be our equivalent to what Wesley Fofana has been for Leicester, young, raw. But as soon as he had his chances, took it hasn't he? Yeah, one thousand percent. I sort of alluded to it at the start. I'd be interested to sort of see how much he, let's say, pushes someone like Kilman, um, who is a few years older than him, but is that very much reserve uh, centre-half. Hopefully he pushes him out the door. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, each drone on that, we could have a debate on Kilman, but we'll save it for another day, gents. Um, because the person I really want to talk about today is Francisco Trincao. It was rumoured a couple of weeks ago um, that we'd been sort of linked to him. And Wolves have managed to nab him on alone with a view to a permanent, uh, a bit out of nowhere. On, announced on a Sunday afternoon, or Sunday morning even, just a bit out of nowhere. And I think it's hopefully a real signal of the club going back to their tried and tested methods under Fosa um, from recruitment of signing players who, you know, aren't quite the position they want to be at their current club, giving them a platform to shine and almost having a try before you buy and signing them then on a permanent to hopefully, well, for their point of view, to move on for, you know, twice as much money in a year's time. And, you know, we could talk about, we'll probably end up talking about Barcelona's financial situation, which is why this has happened. Um, but, guys, is, is it, it, I was trying to think of the right way to say this, it's a bloody good signing, isn't it? Hopefully, Dan, how are you feeling about it? I said earlier on our Twitter page, Rich, that we haven't given this the fanfare that it needs. We should have been outside of Compton for his arrival. I know he wasn't there on um, arrival day today, but when he steps foot in Wolverhampton, there needs to be some people at Compton to, to welcome him to our glorious city because it's a, a signing of hot the one of the highest calibers that we can be as a club at the moment for me. He's been compared to sort of a future Ballon d'Or winner by Portuguese legend Paulo Futre today and I'm all for it. 
That's that's the kind of expectation levels you love to see set around a young player, <laughs> isn't it, Stu? Uh, are you disappointed, Stu? He's not more of a James Henry. Yeah, I mean it's. Uh, well, he's got time to get the James Henry hair. Let's be honest, but it's. I mean, it's more of a trink wow than trink cow. Let's, let's uh, get it right. Apologies, everybody. But um, no, in, incredible sign. I think me, being the uh, connoisseurs of European football, like me and Gully are. I mean, I've seen him a few times for Barcelona. Yeah, admittedly, it was against like cadets and stuff like that, but he's just Neto again. And to have two of them is going to be ridiculous. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think the fact that, you know, it, it, yes, he's Portuguese as our half our team, but the fact that he was at Braga with Large, I think, is a big, big plus for us. Um, I've seen a few people be slightly negative about his stats at Barcelona in terms of his goals and assists output. But I think that if you actually look, a lot of his appearances last season were from the bench, am I right in thinking? Yeah, like, you, you know. just look at the players that we had who we had in front of him. Just just forget Messi. You've got Griezmann, Dembele. He was going to struggle to break into that, that side straight away, wasn't he? So don't yeah. judge him on his appearances. I've, I've always been of the mindset this has been another tactical movement of Mendes chess where he was sold to Barcelona from Benfica on the hope that he he was to succeed and if he wasn't to succeed he could go to Wolves after a year and this is where why we've paid over the odds for Semedo and now we've got Trinko on the on the cheap for this this summer it's it's just all part of the Mendes house of cards that we live in I mean Potentially, um, I, I mean, I was kind of viewed it, and I think it, it's been coming sort of other shows that when Mendes signs up a play, and I think Trincao might be a, a really good case in point for this one. That you know, he very much lays out a vision for their career, and it's almost like you go from here to here to here. If you keep performing at the level you do, I will get you that move from Benfica to you know a pit stop of let's say walls and then you'll move on to the next club and you know it's he's gone to Barcelona let's be honest it's a dream move for 99% of footballers you know it, it's, it's like one of those where if Barca <laughs> could apart from for Dan if, if Barca could knock in you, you, you're going um, and j- j- because of Barcelona's bonkers financial situation and you know the fact that Messi is holding the club to ransom at the moment um, you know for how shit plays off um, do you see him being a game one starter or do you still see him again depth chart wise is he behind let's say trial race still or do we see him being Number one star boy next year for us. I think you got to consider Traore not returning first of all. So, uh, well, yeah, I was going to say my my other question was going to be: Is he an additional replacement? So, yeah, yeah take take either. I mean, from from what I saw of him, he's more of a kind of wide midfielder rather than a winger, anyway. So, it's, and more of a kind of. Like they were playing when they were playing inverted towards the end of the last season, where they were cutting in on their other foot. If he's playing like that on the right hand side and cutting in, 
and you got Neto doing eventually when he comes back doing the same on the left wing, cutting in onto his right. Then <laughs> they can switch around. There's no real place for Adama anyway, so I, I'd imagine that he will be first choice from day one. Otherwise, Can't you ain't gonna get you ain't gonna get a player like that coming here on loan to put him on the bench. Yeah, I mean, if it if it's to be reported, which you know, hell, why not? I think are we paying all of his wages, uh, which again are reported to be about 140 grand a week, which is eye watering for Wolves. He must be basically our top earner at this point. Um, Dan, you sort of alluded to it at the start, you know, how there's, there's been a lot of hype the last 24 hours around him, but almost not enough. Do you see this as, I guess, the next Jimenez or next Costa in terms of like the impact that those signings then made on loan to then size a permanent? Do, do we sort of see it being at that level, do we think? I, th- I think it's inevitable with the with the talent that this player has that we'll make money on him come two or three years' time because I think this is another, like you said, Mendes move where he's got a career plan for all of his clients and it either goes down route A or B. And I think, unfortunately for the lad, he's ended up at route B at Wolves, but this is like his stepping stone back to the top. You've got to look at Diogo Jota, the, the career path that Mendes has set for him and how much money he's made on the back of Wolves and Jota going to Liverpool. So it's, we're, just, we're just living Jorge Mendes' world again, and this is just another one of his moves, which I said I was hoping for in sort of January time that Mendes would sort us out this summer after sort of rifling through our pants and taking Jota and Doherty away from us last summer. <laughs> no, you're right. I feel, it feels like we're somewhat owed one, would you say, Stu? Yeah, or? yeah I mean... It- Let's just get it right. There's no without him, these this type of deal would never in a million years happen. No. So before people get all judgmental and the usual Portugal FC nonsense comes out, on I mean not obviously not from Wolves fans, but from everyone else, it's just jealousy because he's not their toy. <laughs> their clubs are not his toy, and as is, and it's brilliant because we get three years out of Trincao here. Never in a million years would he come in, say to the equivalent, say to Palace. Even with Vieira, there's no way they'd pull something like that off without an agent behind them. And we've got him behind Wolves, so use him yeah. when you can. And you're I'd... still looking at Wolverhampton as a city where players from the continent don't want to be living in the Midlands. Well, don't, no one knows where it is. Exactly. It's, it's sort of similar to Newcastle. Um, and look, Palace probably would have more chance of signing this sort of player without an agent being involved than what Wolves had. Cause just because of the London draw. Yeah, I, I I completely agree with that. And what I was going to say, look, this isn't our time to defend Jorge Mendes and his agency. But I would argue that our relationship with Mendes is slightly more legitimate than other clubs because, well, Foson have a stake in the business. And I've always seen it very much as Foson Group own a football club. They also have part ownership of a company that essentially, you know, a football agency. Why would you not connect with two businesses? It makes zero sense not to have them, not have any, and I hate the term, but synergy. So, you know, we, we are in this, we say we are in Jorge Mendes' world, but he's in Fosun's. 
and that's how I've always looked at it, that Mendes is pulling the strings, but hopefully Fosen are above his. Via Chairman Guo, let's just be completely yeah. clear. There's no actual link. It's all it's next to each other. Yeah, it's all next. But you can see how it, for me, you wouldn't not have a business where you wouldn't use your somewhat sister companies or affiliated companies. But that's the only two players Wolves have signed so far. It does feel, which is a lovely loose term, that Wolves will likely sign Renate Nori on a permanent transfer. So that feels like it's almost from the old regime. So it's probably been very much directed from people beyond Bruno Larger. Um, but it feels like Jeff Shee, along with some of his wheeler dealings for Mascara and um, a, a Trincao, um, seems to be playing a little bit of a risky gamble in terms of the proposed fees around eight Norway and Virginia, but we've just let the clock run down on it. So it was, a, I think it was about 18 million each for eight Norway and for Virginia. Uh, apologies. I've not got the figures quite right, but it appears for eight Norway that we've basically managed to wait and wait, let that proposed deal go down and get a bid accepted for about 10 million, which I'd, I'd have, I don't think I'd have been unhappy if we'd have signed eight Norway for 18 million. I think he's got a lot of potential and he really improved second half of the season. And he talked about in the end of season show how his attacking metrics and, you know, the top 80% of left backs, but to get some of his quality for 10 million, I'm having a bit of that boys. I mean, he's, he's gone full Chinese Barry Fry on this. There's there's no there's no dirty whatsoever. I mean, to, even the the kind of cheeky little fifty percent sell on clause, which he's not going to be sold off, is he? We'll we'll buy that out in a year year or so's time if we need to. If he, he's looking like a superstar, for and eight then million. yeah, for that eight million, yeah. then we've we've spent like with the uh, when we got Ruby for free, and then actually paid a fee for him later. It's mm. just it's just really really clever investment, as you'd expect from Fosen, but. Yeah, I think you can comfortably say he's ten million pound better than Ron Giles at this point. I'd probably argue he's at least nine million, maybe eight million. But yeah, I, I completely, completely get your point. Um, Dan, would you be happy of eight Nori for ten million? I would have rode my bike to Paris to pick him up for 10 million. <laughs> I think we've got an absolute steal. I've said numerous times on the podcast that he's a future uh, French left back for the full national side, if he, unless he decides to change allegiances, which I know there's been rumours of in the last sort of couple of months, but he, he is good enough to go all the way to the top for me. The fact that we've got that money, we've, we've signed that player for that fee is, like Stuart said, it's shady as fuck. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how another Premier League club, after seeing some of the performances that he's putting, hasn't tried to gazump us. Yeah, for su- for such a in this day and age moderate fee, and again, it's all reported. And you know, you'll you'll notice with fancast we don't like to do lots of speculative transfer rumours if we can if we can help it because we tend to get it wrong most of the time. Um, but you know, it it looks like Vinagre. Sorry, let me, let, me just, let me quickly just jump onto that. Oh, let's let's just talk about the um one of the main Wolves sports journalists out there, 
who wasn't even sort of reporting on Trinko being an, an imminent signing. So if, if Wolves' main journalist isn't on top of it and all like that, how would podcasts like us and other ones out there supposed to be on top of it? All these like speculative transfer rumours you see online with Source Football Insider, Source HITC, all these football opinion-based transfer rumours. There was You may as well just... Drop me a DM and I'll tell you whether it's true or not because 99% of the time these football um, pieces that you find online are bullshit. Fast and keep everything close to the chest. Just until you see a Wolves player with the shirt unveiled or, or something from the official Wolves Twitter outlet, you may as well discard any transfer room you see on Twitter because it's 99% bollocks. Sorry. That's okay, because I'm trying really hard not to jump on a ramp there, which I won't, because we have got a tight run in order today, guys. And I've completely forgot what the next point was going to be. I remember now, Vinagra, looks like he's out of the door. Um, again, reportedly, I think it's sport, sport in Lisbon. So, um, again, it'll be going back to um, Portugal, which is a real shame that his development's curved. But we're talking about him going for 10 million. <laughs> so it's like, you know what? If we're swapping, yeah, I, I liked Vanagra, I, I I did. But on watching Eight Nori and watching Vanagra, I think they've both got really high ceilings. But I feel like Eight Nori is just like, a bit more accomplished at this point, and they're basically the same age. So, and I don't, th- I think, would we all be sort of in agreement, Eight Nori over Vanagra? Oh yeah, I think definitely. But I still don't think. You can write off Vinagre as a as a future star at no. European level. I, I think he, he he still needs to do a lot of learning defensive wise, but he's definitely got attributes. If he was like similar to Cristiano Ronaldo early in his Man United crew of all the step overs, once he got rid of that and properly knuckled down, he turned into a superstar. And I'm not saying Vinagre is going to turn up that sort of level, but he could easily go on to be Portuguese main left back in the future. And that's why Sporting Lisbon, current champions of the league, have come in for him now. Yeah, I, think no, with, I, I said with him, it's it's almost like the Sam Vokes effect in a way for him. It was unfortunate that I think if we hadn't got promoted straight away and he'd had another year in the championship, I think they would have probably done him a world of good to stop all that nonsense and kick it out, well, literally kick it out of him and learn how to play properly rather than trying to be a fancy down all the time. And I think it, it just hasn't happened for him here. And I think it, it just works for all, all parties. You've got to take it to account, Stuart, as, as how good we've had it with Johnny as well. Yeah. So every time yeah. Nagre has had a chance, it's been sporadically. So when he comes in and makes a mistake, it's through not being game sharp, isn't it? That's that's yeah. what I mean. He, he, when he had his when he had his chance, we then had Barry Douglas there, and then when he was sold, we brought Johnny in, and he just yeah. he just flew from the start. So it's it's unf- again a case of right player, wrong time for everyone concerned. I think. No, and I think you're right that he's never quite done enough to seize the opportunity when he had one. You know, I remember in the championship he shone a bit, but he never, he never really asked enough difficult questions to over Douglas. And don't get me wrong, Douglas was great that season, but whenever Johnny wasn't playing, and he had spells out injured in in that first season, let alone after you know around his knees, you know he had a couple of injuries and he never quite. Sean, and you know, it, I guess it's you know we're going to drag it back to Jorge Mendes as ninety nine percent of Wolves to fits, but I guess that's the 
problem sometimes when you Mendes almost wheels and deals two players almost in the same position. Um, and it's hard to match that development across multiple players in the same position. But uh, yeah, I think if Wolves can get eight Norway, I think it's a really solid bit of business. And, you know, we've talked about things Dan said about Vinagre and game time. Eight Norway got that second half of the season with Marcelo injured um, as well, who will be interesting to see if he, how he fits in next season, if at all. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm really positive about eight Norway. If and when it's, uh, if and when it's confirmed, fingers crossed it is. That's the transfer catch up guys. Um, after the break, we are going to be talking season tickets and also a bit about training gear as well, because who doesn't like a little bit of gear? Not like that, guys. We'll be back right after this uh, short break. Hello and welcome back, uh, guys. So, on Monday, a note, yeah, it is Monday. Oh, crikey, I almost lost track of the days of the weekend. It's only literally Monday, guys. Uh, Wolves announced their season ticket prices after, I guess, a lot of speculation following the Ask Wolves series and some bits and bobs floating online um, about the season ticket prices. So, I, I mean, I, I won't rattle them all through you because you, if you are listening, you're just going to hear me repeat a load of numbers. But to give you sort of a couple of the key ones, adult season ticket in the stand colours, if you didn't have your reef, if you had your refund, so full, full games is £549. If you're Steve Belupper, it's £643. If you do get those extra four game, uh, the four game rebate, it does drop to um, £443 in behind the goal. So South Bank, North Bank and uh, £507 in the Steve Bullupper, which is where I guess predominantly most of the season tickets are. When the news was announced, what was your initial reaction? I'm going to go to Dan first, as I know you're uh, South Bank, aren't you? Yep, 27 years, never missed a season. In 27 years, I was at Man United, like most fans. Uh I'm just ecstatic with the priority. You saw that um, Ask Wall's um, episode with Darth Clark. <laughs> and um, the way it was perceived that we were going to be talking 700, 800-pound season tickets. And for me to have a season ticket with the rebate, which comes to £433.42, which averages to £22.81 a game, that's just... You can't knock them. I know next season is going to be through the fucking roof, but for this summer, I'm all for it. Yeah, I think you've touched upon something there that I think we've got to live in the moment a little bit with season tickets uh, and season ticket prices, and it's all going to be dependent on where we'll finish next year, what the economic state of the, I guess, footballing landscape is. Stu, you're Steve Bullupper, so I think from some lovely rough maths. Um, we won't go full number wang. Um, but would I be right in thinking yours went up by about £99? <laughs> it's amazing how the um, the good seats go up 
by a higher rate than beyond the goal. I mean, that's the only thing that kind of annoyed me, really, because how can you put some people's tickets up more than others in the same stadium? In a, in a potentially in a for well, for things like facilities wise, a worse stand, <laughs> which is, it's just baffling. And but the actual end price, I'm not overly annoyed about because I, I kind of guessed six fifty anyway on when we did our um, the thing up on the videos. But it's just the fact that it was so much more than everyone else. Other than the weird Billy Wright new categories thing, which no one who listens to this sits in the Billy Wright anyways, who cares? Um, but <laughs> oh, God. what'd you say about Stu? We're getting emails now. Uh, at WWFC fancast, if you want to take a pop at Stu. Um, but yeah, I think I mean, I, I did kind of mess up earlier and thought, well, this was my last, my last hurrah had been and gone, but that's sorted now. But and changing the thing to six months on direct debit for the, rather than eight or ten months where it's been in the past was a bit of a shitty thing to do and I think a lot of people well, some people are going to be affected by that I mean my sister's not renewed for that reason she can't afford really? it yeah I, I texted both of them my brother has my sister's not I mean she's had one since 99 no more for her um and she's a teacher as well so <laughs> swimming in that ducktails money but it's I think they've played a blindery with the how the videos came out and Darth Vinny, like um, Dan alluded to, making it cut out that they were going to go up a massive amount, and then to put it up to roundabout what it, you expected it to be, they look better than. I mean, they look better than they they could have done. I mean, I still I still say there was no need to do it, like a lot of clubs haven't done it. That was my personal view that I I didn't want anything to change, but. It's not the end of the world. If last season had happened, it would have gone up the same amount, 45 to 50 quid, that it went up the other years under Fausten. So it's to be expected. And next season, I fully expect it to be 700 quid to sit in there. But so at this moment in time, not as bad as it could have been. But again, bad points on the direct debit for me. Yeah, I was going to say, the direct debit one's an interesting financial one for me because... Fosun slash for club in a few of the dealings, and I think it's football in general. Actually, you think of the Jota deal, and even to a degree about eight Nori. You know what? What do they say? Turnovers vanity, profits sanity, but cash flow is king. And you're seeing more and more clubs are focusing on making sure they've got either money up front or doing what they can to manoeuvre it. And the Jota one was on Liverpool's way of how they want to do it in terms of spreading the finance and us not really getting much cash flow. At Nori, we're getting a lower price now, so we've got a lump sum of money, but paying less and having, as you mentioned, about a potential hell, very big sell-on fee. And this is just another way to do it, but on a slightly different layer. Um, I think it is a bit crap that it's not spread over the entire course of the season i really do because it used to be from august to may or august to what april time i think it used to be I mean, two, um, two years two years ago it was from may till december um so you after you then you had january to may to kind of you had freedom money um but that's what the last the last couple that was the last 
direct debit two years ago. Before that, I always bought it as is, so I, I'm not sure about that. But to go from, and I know it's not their fault that they couldn't have put the price, the actual prices up and sell the tickets until King Boris said so and wherever. But still, does that really matter? An extra two months for a few thousand people might be the case of like my sister, the end. It's just yeah. a bit, bit shit, really. I know, and it, it, it it's difficult because. I can complete. I, I've not got. I've got no qualms with when the club have announced season tickets because if you're in the financial position where you have to save, I guess on a on a monthly basis, you know, almost those four months a year uh, where you're not paying it all six months now, then those extra couple of months you're still you're still committed to that process and having that wait a bit longer it. it it's an inconvenience rather than a complete barrier. So, like, I think I said previously on the fancast that I wasn't getting a season ticket this year, but I, I wasn't going to have a season ticket last year. And how we've gone come all through COVID, my situation, well, financially hasn't changed for me to change that. So I've almost not really got a, you know, you know, anything in this fight. But I think probably after we. 18 months or whatever you want to call it we've had with covid i, I was listening to a, a, a football podcast from march last year about how football could change and i think some people will have gone off it and they weren't necessarily um i guess prioritize it in the same way so actually i looked at the prices and you know for, for me it would as the same as dan i i, I sit about 50 seats away from Dan or something silly and I, I, I'd have technically got the four game re, rebate so it would have been yeah, 22 quid a game and I did for a split second go maybe you know and then I went no that, that's silly because it's still you know it, it is still kind of outside of what I I, I, I need to prioritise at the moment and as I, I think Covid's probably done that for a lot of people because yeah, I think for in in the um, South Bank, it's only gone up like thirty five pounds from a year ago. Have I made that up completely? It's not far off. No, I think it is not. It, quid, yeah, yeah, it, it's not. It doesn't feel like a huge amount. Problem is, as soon as as soon as you get to like, I guess, past that fifty pound mark, hundred pounds can feel like quite a lot of money to some people, and I can see why. Initially, Stu, you went. Hang on, this is yeah, this is this, this, this isn't an automatic. I, I mean, for you, it wasn't even like you, you'd gone past an automatic yes to. Well, hang on, I need to consider this. To hell no. Um, yeah. And I find, and I've had a look online. I've you know, I've I've read through various threads of journalists and the club, and you know, I, I, it, it's so difficult for the club because I think even if they'd have frozen the prices, people would have complained. Wouldn't they? Let's be honest. Well, uh, if, just, yeah. I think they would have done because a couple of people, a couple of clubs have lowered theirs, and there's always a comparison. Despite each club being completely different to each other, and you only have to look down the road at the uh, Loserville and then Villa. Both of them are cheaper than Wolves, so mm. in for Albion you expect that because, <laughs> um, but Villa have got a bigger stadium, so they can be cheaper. And we kind of mm. stuck in a, in a 
tiny stadium with one stand that was built in 1979 that's not really fit for purpose anymore, yet that's the one that's been battered with a price increase. Yeah, but uh, and I'm probably going to steal Dan's point here, so uh, I can let you um, expand on it. But yesterday, we signed a lad, uh, and let's be honest, it is a lad, on 140 grand a week. <laughs> we can't necessarily. I, I don't know the clubs who haven't. Um, maybe Leicester because they're really fan pushed, and I bet it'll be like Burnley haven't increased their prices because they're Burnley. But if we're going to make to make moves in the league, then there does need to be a level of real world in terms of where those where that's going to come from. Unfortunately, and it does it does hit fans. You 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 did some um, really strong common sense talking in regards to financial um, life a, a few minutes ago, Rich, in regards to uh, cash flow, and it's the same with what you said, Stuart, to a degree. You you would have preferred to pay over eight months instead of six months because for that given month you've got a bit more indisp- uh, disposable income instead of over eight. Instead, of, mm. yeah, you know what I mean. I mean yeah. so- 30 is so, a 33 percent decrease in what you've got to be paying this has got very numbers heavy guys and i feel <laughs> like i feel like we're about to either really alienate our audience or really pull them in closer well, well, to alienate them with financial common sense I'll just, the situation I'll just say- is with walks and a lot of people don't grasp this because it's not their money it's, it's thousands money and they're, they're a business Fans saying what is two to three million pound revenue by charging extra mayor season ticket. Two thousand haven't become a billionaire billion pound valued company by giving two to three million pound away every year. Yeah. I know yeah. I know it's not nice to know, I know it's not nice to hear. And everyone thinks they deserve more money and we're we're all underpaid and overworked at work. But we're not a football-owned club like Leicester's is. Their owner bought into Leicester, made good money off Leicester, and now them giving the fans a little bit back, but they're still making profit year on year whilst spending decent amounts of money. Recently, Faust have made two big losses, two seasons in a row, and that's why we're having to pay these little bit of increases every year to be able to afford players who are on 140 grand a week. I think it was genius announcing his signing yesterday. Because automatically it's just basic marketing PR. No one no one ever announces a sign on a Sunday. Especially when there's a Grand Prix on. Um and yeah, they've been the whole thing it was was it the day before? Was it the, the the Friday or the Saturday that it was announced about the um you're coming home thing? And it's a month yeah. to be announced Monday. Mm. So you had all the kind of the speculation, or oh, what's it going to be? Or and you had the whole. I think Molly and Mix was in meltdown straight away, and from what we'd been led to believe, and then they announced Trincao. Anything? Okay, <laughs> you kind of readjust now. They are. They're not pissing about. They're not. They're not scrimping. They're doing things properly, and this is ambitious. And then for the tickets prices to come out today and not be horrendous was perfect. Well, I um I tweeted and weirdly got some guy who doesn't follow me call me out on what was sort of a half joke. I think I tweeted last night saying my prediction is today we were going to sign out Norway. He was going to show off the new shirt, like you know, have it on, 
and then like an hour later it'll be like really quick like oh season ticket announcement and you know that very i guess politics tactic of trying to you know hide the bad news so to speak but i guess speaking of new kits and my potential envisionment of walls trying to bury the season tickets uh somewhat and to a degree they have but walls have dropped um for new training tops so it's been our first i guess proper look into what castor have to offer walls um we haven't got the new kits just yet i'm assuming it's probably going to be later this week or next week um at the, at the current rate um but first glances we've got some green um green and gold bits Stu, you're our resident nonce <laughs> I'll try and work out a word I could use which was that. Fashionista. Uh, fashionista. Yes, our resident fashionista. Well, we we we've got nonce financing now, so we can use that word freely. As long as we don't mention anything regarding nonces and whales, we're all okay. Um <sighs> I don't like it at all, to be honest. <laughs> so that must mean, I think, Dan, we could probably agree that it means the kit's probably sort of pretty tidy. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. it's, it's, it's for the working class man with a bit of style, <laughs> whereas Stu's just the working class man with zero style. <laughs> and it's, it's, I mean, I did say when we first saw it and everyone was all getting all overexcited and it could be one of them, because it's teal and it's weird and, seeing it in person might change my mind and it does look it looks all right on in some pictures in others it looks kind of awful but the actual design not bad but the color mm, it no it's never really worked teal and gold it's just it's I'm with really, it, weird. It, to be honest. It? I, I like the design of it but i'm not really sure on the color scheme and like this this is going to sound a bit dreamy but these players are going to be trading in this kit like five six days a week either side of a match day. Shouldn't they really be in the same sort of similar kit to what they're going to be playing on a match day? So they've sort of got a continuous periphery of where their own players should be. Am I stupid in thinking that? <laughs> no one has the same colour training kit. I know, but why not? I don't why, don't, why don't sportsmen train in the replica tops? Is that what we're saying? Yeah, because it, you, you, it just becomes a more regimented thing of, if I see this sort of colour in my periphery, that's where I'm passing to, instead of looking for a fucking green goblin now. <laughs> <laughs> see, I, I I do get from the kit, I, I mean, because there's been two hasn't there. There's been, I guess, um, a black with a bit of um, teal, not, well, it's almost sky blue, turquoise on the tops. But you've also got the um, one which gives that sort of very big South African rugby kit vibes as well, which I actually do quite like. Um, I'm not going to lie, I, I, I'm happy with that because it reminds me of the goalkeeping tops of yore, by which I mean the 90s. Yeah. it's. Um, I think the one with the blue bits on, though, it's got it's it's black with sky blue kind of shoulder pads, but then it's got gold under the arm as well. It's nah. just like uh, you've just thrown colour all over the place. Mm. And obviously that's never a bad thing, but in it's this case... paid for this. Yeah. This is a, this is custom. This is what <laughs> this is our unique look. I understand nowadays with like with football boots that kids want like over the top of luminous colours and different designs. But for just training gear, which the you know the 
adults will want to wear predominantly the kids the kids want the strips the adults want the adults want the training gear predominantly in my eyes so why would you go well yeah that says it all with you Stu, to be honest <laughs> yeah i think i was gonna say that almost feels like a good point to leave on apart from it it seems sort of expensive but I think we, we've literally just talked about football finances very badly and we're going to have the same conversation over and over again because I don't think this is a really nice point to wrap up the second half of the show, but people always buy it. Yeah. I think, um, oh, well, I won't buy it. I might get the, short, the shorts. The shorts are all right, though, to be fair. Yeah. The um, the grey shorts with 28 quid, though, a pair of shorts. But it, it, at least at least the badges embroidered this year. Rather than the Adidas nonsense that just looked like it was just <laughs> sellotaped on. No, I, I can completely get on board with that. And that wraps up the show really nicely for today, gents. Hopefully we'll be back uh, soon rather than later, guys, to discuss any transfers coming in, transfers going out. Might even do a full kit special, but I don't quite know how we'll do that in a audio world. But we'll do our best to describe it to you wonderful people. Big thanks to everyone who has listened and even watched uh, today's show. Um, as always, make sure you keep up with all our social media um, at WW. No, we're at Wolves Fancast. Oh, I've slipped into the odd ways there, guys. At Wolves Fancast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are part of the 90 Min Football Network family. Um, so make sure you check out any of their stuff as well. And also big shout out to the sports shop over in Kings Winsford as well. Um, I guess as I say, that wraps up for today. Big thank you to Stu and Dan for joining me today. And we will be back hopefully very soon. Have a good one, guys. <laughs>